Guys, welcome to this episode of Midwest Flyways Podcast. I'm your host, Joey. We've also got Cal over here. And today, we have a very special guest, one of the OGs in the industry, Sean Stahl. What's up? Sean, thanks What's for up? coming, man. Well, I was here. and, and it, How many times have you tried to get me to come out here? Three years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I had to hit you up like two months in advance and be like, you're coming and I on. said, yeah, 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 no problem. <laughs> well, I asked him and he's like, yeah, man, I'd love to. It's just they tell me where to go and I go there. It's like he goes to someone's house every single For day sure. that he's in Minnesota. For sure. So annoying. And Minnesota he, hospitality. Came, you came to a house tonight. Yeah. This yeah. one. So yeah. thanks for coming. And I actually thought the party was tonight, too. Oh, oh really? Yeah, so, yeah. Perfect. So you're no going to have trouble. to come back tomorrow mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know where it is now. Yeah. I kind of got lost. Tried to pull in the other driveway. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't come out and leave <laughs> at me. Right. <laughs> it's a little bit of a maze over here. Right. It's not that easy. Pretty cool. It's very rural. Right oh, yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. It's not that far out of the no. city. No. It's yeah. like I work in the Twin Cities Metro. I'm like a half hour, and I'm 43 minutes from the airport, mm-hmm. and I can goose on my backyard. Got to love it. Pretty slick. Yeah. Pretty slick. I can't really be mad about it. But, um, dude, thank you so much for coming on yeah, again. I'm happy to be Three here. years trying. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for um, coming on finally. I think it's because we finally got enough followers. So I, that I understand that you're, you're a big no. deal. No. No. You know, there needs to be a certain expectation of how many people are going to see it. And I understand that. No, no. So thank you for. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, here's the thing, right? I've listened to some of your other podcasts, so we figured we'd have to razz you pretty good when we start this, get you loose in that chair. You know, I know you're already slightly uncomfortable. So horrible. Because you, <laughs> you have a more comfortable chair than I do. What do you put do. people in this? I have to sit in this so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Come over and sit by me. I've sat in them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've sat in them. <laughs> That we might have to do that sometime. Joey, yeah. Oh. I thought you were literally going to go ready. sit in that chair. I didn't even want one of these things. <laughs> oh, it's a sponsor plug, right? That's right. Oh, well, that too. But yeah. So but also, you yeah. look thirsty. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a hand model. Oh. <laughs> no, dude, you're an eyeball model. Oh, there's that. Seriously, the icy. I can fall back on that, yeah. The yeah. icy blue eyes yeah. like, stare oh. into my soul. It creeps been, me out. I, I've been eye raped about six times today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was light on crowd today. Tomorrow will be worse. Oh yeah, I get violated. No. I, I feel have, shame. Yeah, no, no boundaries. No, I mean, how many times are people bringing that up to you? Where it's like, dude, your eyes are insane. Well, you know, most of the time, uh, if it's well, it depends on who it is. You really don't care. You're like <laughs> a lot of guys. Huh? Look, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you were knew, the first. I knew that would be you were the first one today. Yeah. I was trying to explain who you were to my wife, and I was like, just look at his eyes. They're insane. Yeah, yeah everybody. Yeah, you got are those contacts? No, no. no they, they come try to scratch your eye out. Oh, me. really? Yeah. Like, Get oh, real close me, to your face yeah, to look. Yeah. Let me see that. Come yeah, here. Yeah. Unreal. No, why don't you give us a little introduction as to who you are, Sean? Because there's a lot of younger people even, on here yeah, that I'm not good ne- that. necessarily didn't grow up. Yeah. Uh, watching you on TV, so yeah, no, I'm not good at. Were well, you the 2000 change. world champion? Yes, I did that. Yep, yep, I did that. I went one year. The first year I went, I won. I wasn't ever going to go. Didn't want to go. It's always just during hunting season, and the only reason I got in the calling contest was to become a better caller. And like we were talking before this, you know, when you were trying to learn how to call and you're calling, they're like, "Well, you know, I don't have time. I don't do it." You know. Then the only time there was no YouTube, there was no, you know, uh, CDs, DVDs, any of that stuff. It was to go to these contests. 
and get around people and listen to it and rub elbows with them and learn. So that's kind of how I. Who taught you the most on a goose call? Uh, probably myself. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just- I mean, because you didn't have anybody around. And, and when you went to contest, it was more listening to other people and trying to get those sounds and then going to the park. Like literally, you would go to the park and you'd listen to them and try to mimic that stuff. And we had a refuge there, but most of the time with contest callers, it's competitive and they want to win just as bad as you. And they're not going to help you. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to teach you. You know, there were a few people. Tim Grounds was always a straight shooter. Always told you, you know, exactly what he thought you needed to do. Um, and Tim, I mean, he was an awesome individual. Anybody ever had a chance to spend time around him, but uh, probably can do more on a goose call between him or hunter can do more on a goose right. call than anybody can and sometimes is you know he did win a lot of calling contests but no shit but so, sometimes like he would just get his routines would just be so off the wall like he'd get going on something and he'd hit a note that he really liked he'd do like 10 in a row like you know, it just had no <laughs> flow to it or anything yeah you know you get cut and not I mean not know why you know it's like well you know, what the changed, hell was that? This has changed a little bit. Or, or he'd, or he'd lock up the call, and he was so talented he could do it three times in a row to make the judges think that it was on it purpose. Was it on purpose? That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he was a wild dude to hang out. Oh with yeah, and have fun with. But, um, yeah, nobody. I didn't have anybody. Like I literally would just sit and lock myself in a room. That's how I learned. Uh, I went from a an old eight hundred and a Ken Martin to buying a, a half breed. Yeah. completely different animals you totally. know and and all my buddies were buying the variable tone honkers they thought oh that sounds great we saw it on a i think it was a 93 outlaw decoy video it was a vhs tape tim's down there in the park down there in marion and he's blowing all his calls and it's kind of a you know uh, uh commercial for his calls and my, you know all my buddies and everything think oh them flutes are awesome I'm like no they're half breeds the deal that's that's what geese wanted and i learned just lock myself in a room and learn how to blow it just tried to figure out, you know, putting different air pressure in and hands and yeah. did that and, and went from there. But um, but back to the contest, I never would have went because it's during hunting season. You know, I don't want to give up hunting. I went right. uh, you know, did the calling contest in the off season to learn to get better, meet new people, network, get out there. Um, but Sean Mann, I saw him that, that summer. I think that summer that I, that I won, I blew in 16 contests that summer and I won eight of them. Damn Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, I won eight of them. And uh, so you were the guy right then. At, for about two or three years, yeah, I, I think I went five out of eleven, eight out of sixteen, and that third year I didn't go to very many, but I won quite a few of them. And then I just kind of, I kind of yeah, that. yeah. So that that eight out of sixteen, Sean Mann, we we saw him at a contest, and he's like, "You got to come, you got to come out there." And he was one of my idols growing up. You know, I well, saw him sure. on Kirk Gowdy hunting the whatever that show was. I saw him on there blowing that flute, and I was like, "Oh man, I just I want to." I never had aspirations of the of, of beating those guys and saying I was better than them because I, if you've been around contest calling and hunters, you're never truly better than you're just good, you know. Right. And, and nobody will be better than Tim Grounds on a goose call, as far as I'm concerned. Just nobody. Just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, the only one who could be is his son. Uh, yeah. And he probably is, but I'm not going to put it. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I yeah. love Hunter to death. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but so I went that first year. He said, you got to come out to you. I went that first year and I booked a ticket, paid my own way out there. And I've told the story before. I'd been hunting all fall. So my, and back then your contest calls weren't your hunting calls. It's still a little bit that way, but your contest calls weren't your hunting calls. And yeah. 
if everybody's blowing a, a half breed, they're real light on air pressure, real light. And my contest call is really, really stiff and hard to blow. So I've been blowing that half breed all fall hunting <laughs> and then got to fly out there. I booked my tickets and there's a couple of different stories here. I booked my tickets out there and back going out there. I flew coach coming back. I flew back first class. It was the only <laughs> ticket I could get. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So it was like but in you the won, car, so you could pay karma, for it. Karma. Yeah, 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 no shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, on the way to the airport, I I don't know where my goose call is. My contest call. Don't know where it is. Can't find it. On the way to the airport, I was like, one last place I could check. Open my glove box. There it is. No shit. Yeah. So then I get. So you legit mind You thought you might have had to. I was going to borrow a call. I was yeah. Borrow one for because at the time I was blowing foils as calls. I was going to have to borrow one from him, and it was, it was a, it was actually a prototype. It was a snow goose prototype insert in it. So it was different than the old straight meat honkers. And there's the story with that, how I started blowing it. But um, so I blew a couple rounds in the, in the uh, hotel parking lot. Cause there you do the prelims, the first two rounds on Friday. And then you come back for the finals on Saturday. And I get there and <clears throat> I blow a couple routines in the, and I haven't blown a routine and this is November. I haven't blown one since August. Right. So yeah. I blow I blow a routine in by you know if you've done it long enough it's but it's in your head it's, yeah. it's just like riding a bike but what's not the same is that your muscles and everything from blowing a half breed you pick up that call I blew two routines in there and you physically can't keep your lips on the call right they blow out you know what I'm talking about anybody that's the went from honk, lip uh, upper lip but yeah anybody that's went from honker hunting up here in the Midwest to going down and blowing at lessers knows it in the first. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. They just know it. Oh, you just fall apart. Yeah, you fall apart. So I did that, and I was like, oh, no. After two, <laughs> two routines in the parking lot. So I go in there. I blow the first routine, no problem. Blow, get the second round, call in there, and it's starting to happen. But I got through it, made it to the final round, and then – or made it to the, the finals the next day. Yeah. And I said, oh, boy. I said, don't, <laughs> don't do anything. In the, don't – don't call. Don't do nothing. Don't talk to anybody. Don't talk, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do talk anything. to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I had the opportunity to go see Gut hunting that morning, and I didn't. I uh, just kind of stayed in the hotel and, and blew the routine. But if there had been a call off, there's no way I could have made a note. Yeah, you were trashed. Yeah, I was I was out of gas. Damn. Yeah. So my – that's awesome. But, like, my – what we were talking about before was I went to all these unbelievable goose callers. That's not and what we were really talking about. Well, well it's like what we taught you. Oh, okay, this who is taught the- you how to call, and you're like, I taught myself. Well, don't don't come at me like that. But don't. At I me. thought you were asking about what we were talking about before we started. Before, recording. before. Yeah, sure. There's, there's two befores. Sure. So, like, what I've noticed in people in the in the industry, especially like very good contest callers, like all the best people have taught themselves. Yeah. Do you think there's, like, a reason why the people who have taught themselves are better than people who have learned from other people? I think possibly, maybe. I, I just think instead of wanting to be like everybody else, you want to be better, mm. you know, in in, in, in competitive way. I, I don't know. You know, you got to – to be a good contest <laughs> caller, you got to be a, do more than just blow a goose call and make the notes, right? You got to right. be smart. You got to be intelligent. You got to be able to put a routine together. You got to be able to do that on stage under pressure. You know, like in the world contest back at the time, there was 500 people watching you. Jesus. You know, that's back when, you know, it was big time. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be able to deal with that. You got to be able to read. It's like calling geese, but you're calling people. So you got to kind of know what they want to hear, right? Just like out in the field, you got to know what they want to hear and you got to change it up. You got to be different. 
you got to be able to set yourself apart. And how do you do that? You got to have, you got to be louder. You got to have power. There's a difference. You know, you got to have that base, not just be loud. You got to be, have some base. You got to have flow. Your routine's got to go up and down that hill in the volume and the cadence and the pitch and the tempo. Yeah. Right. It's got to do all that. And it's got to tell a story and paint that picture in the judge's mind. And you got to, you, you know, you got to do all that and you got to sound like a goose and don't mess up. And I tell everybody that, you know, they get into the contest calling, they want to set a routine and they, they send it to me. And I'm like, well, you made, you stuck the call three times. You did this, you slurred this note, da, da, da. That's a 70. Yeah. <clears throat> 70. You know, why walk up on stage for a 70? You want to give them the best that you can do repeatedly when you go up on stage, whether it's just going up there and clucking and moaning. I mean, for your first time, do what you can do, you know, the power flow, volume, control, all that stuff, and don't make a mistake. Let them judge you. And if you do that, if you have all that stuff, you're going to stand on the stage at the end of the contest. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to win win a lot of contests. But I was more fortunate to be standing on the stage. I think I only missed four or five podiums in my entire career. Wow, holy shit. I only got, only got cut three times. Once was in my first contest. Once was uh, down in Peoria the first time I was down there. Me and Grounds finished like 11th. And then the, the third time I was blowing a flute in a short read contest. I was only the second caller. Yeah. I was, only, I was the only flute caller in the second round. But um, you got to be standing on the stage. And I tell people, if you're standing on the stage, consider that a win. Because it comes down to how you drew in the order you draw. You know, if you draw early – how if there's good callers, like at the time I wanted to call right after or against like a Kelly Powers, a Fred Zink, you know, those people in Alan McCree's and all that. I wanted to be judged against them because that affects your score and how it rides up. You end up drawing early, first, second, third, fourth, yeah. whatever. They haven't heard a lot. So they're a little sticky on or stingy on their numbers, you know. You get 100%. going on them, some you know, boom, 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 and they've heard them and they're like, oh, my gosh, she's better. Well, I'll send you a point. Every judge, yeah. a point every now you're three points if they drop the high and low and everybody, you're three points up, you know. So it comes into that. So if you're standing on the stage, it comes down to personal interpretation from the judges, but they knew enough to, to like you to get you there, consider that a win. And if you're standing on the podium enough times, you're gonna win a pile of money in a pile yeah. of contest. Yeah, and that's where I think a lot of people fail and like I've talked about this before with other people. I could do a lot more on a goose call than I ever did in contests. Yeah. And it's it comes down to being able to put it all together in a routine, but also to paint that picture to the judges, but also you're calling to people and you're trying to impress them. And if you start doing off the wall wacky stuff that, that they've never that, heard that before. Geese probably do, maybe do. Yeah. But they've never heard before. Well, guess what? It's fifty sound fifty. Like a goose. It's fifty fifty to them. You're you're probably gonna get cut as many times as you get moved on. Yeah. And mine was all about being consistent and getting on stage and being there at the end and letting them pick a winner. So Yeah. And I'm I'm not a I am not a great caller by any means, but one thing I wanted to say cuz you asked such a good question about like what makes it, you know, some of these guys better having learned on their own. I mean, a goose call, a duck call is at at its core, it's a musical instrument. Correct. Right? And when you think about like the best guitar players in the world or the best trumpet players in the world, um, you know what a lot of those people will say is you know, if you look at it like a, you know, you look at guys like a, you know, um, Joe Bonamassa, you know, like a guitar player like that, right? And he he has said many times, 
I'm great at this because no one taught me. So I know the origin of why everything sounds the way it does. Mm -hmm. So when you're learning and no one's teaching you, you're just blowing a call until it sounds like something you've heard. And now you know why you got there or what the origin of that sound was, which gives you so much more in an arsenal. Yeah. And YouTube has its good and bad and social media has its good and bad. The problem with it is, is you get a, a, a hot caller or whatever on a contest, and then everybody watches you, and they try to copy them. They sound just like them. Now you show up at a contest, there's three people that sound like Hunter Grounds and three people that sound like Robbie Iverson. So not only is yeah. he competing to get the judges like him, he's trying to stand out from them, and it just becomes more difficult. I think it's more important to to find your way and make your own style and do what makes you you. Yeah. Being and, unique and, and stand out. Yeah. So I don't mean to interrupt you, but you, yes, but you are. I have a great question <laughs> for you after we yeah. after we do this. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about one of our podcast sponsors because we have to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But our first sponsor I want to talk about tonight is Outlaw Light. It is what we are drinking here tonight. It's very delicious. I'm a big fan of it. It's out of Colorado, and I think it's like in between a Rolling Rock and a Miller High Life. Made a baby. That's what Outlaw Light. You think is. that's a good comparison, but, but, but better. I it would is, say it's better. good. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the yeah. weird aftertaste yeah. that a Rolling Rock does. You know, uh-huh. I can. It's got I good drink, genetics. Yeah, it does have good genetics. Yep. You know, you can tell by the rack. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a light beer with flavor. It's a light beer with a big rack. That's right. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. So, guys, go and check out Outlaw. I'm sure it's in your state. I don't know what state Illinois. It's, in. it's like 21. And a lot of people that listen to this listen from Illinois. It's in the it's, Bible Belt. It's in Illinois. That? So go get it. Missouri, New York bunch of states just go to Colorado, Kansas, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And if you uh, listen to our draft that just came out, you can get a free case as well. Yeah, this is actually insane. So Derek said that if you go to the store and you can show, send a picture, tag us and Outlaw Beer in a picture with you at the liquor store buying a case, they will literally reimburse that case of beer for you. So it's buy one, get one. So I can do this the whole way home? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. Ooh, challenge accepted. Yeah. Sean, you got to send me a picture of your basement when you're done. Like, yeah. yeah. Just a 15 cases of beer. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Wallpaper the wall with the, with the boxes. <laughs> oh, you're back You in might college. be able to. Yeah. Might be able to. Yeah. Um, I remember one contest we won. We, it was a, I can't remember the, we, we won cases of beer. Yeah, and it was not very good. At a good calling beer. contest? Pelosi or something. Uh, what was it? Yeah. Oh, it Nancy? Huh? Nancy Pelosi? No, no, not your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> She's my mom. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. worse. So yeah. much worse. Yeah. Um, all right. So you had mentioned social media. So one question I have for you, what good has social media done and what bad has social media and kind of the culture of hunting now done for it? Cause you've been around for a really long time. Yeah. You know, like That's we wouldn't say it's pretty old. OLD. We, yeah. We, yeah. we wouldn't say you're a spring yeah. chicken. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, I can still jump. Yeah. <laughs> Couple, couple more of them outlaws. I'm gonna start crowing. Let's go. Baby. That's how you know they're good. I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? Now? Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So the question was. Oh, social media. Yeah. How has it changed hunting and like good and bad and everything? I think it's brought more awareness to our sport, but I don't think it's always been on a positive light. Um, yeah. And I think social media has brought uh, a new group of hunters into the sport that never exi- that, that hadn't existed before. 
I don't know that it's such a good thing when I don't know. Like I'm I'm a traditionalist in why I like to hunt. I mean, I like to be out in the outdoors. I like to enjoy nature. I like to fool nature. Uh, the, the thing that pro- that that bothers me the most is like you jump in any blind, and you know, like a not layout blinds, but like a panel blind or a, a stand. You know, like a pit some, blind, a, a pit blind, yep. anything like that. What do you see? It's just taking a look to your left or your right. They're on their we're, phone. We're, they're on their phone yep. and sticking out the the, the, the top of the blind. They got a camera. It's all about the gram. It's people they they want to instead of living in the moment and making memories up here, they're capturing that memory for everybody else to see. Yeah, and that's a different experience than just taking it in. And that's I mean, like I I don't I don't like what the direction is and i i almost see a, a, a market correction at some point when it becomes not cool anymore to we, post your shit yeah to post stuff and and i i think we're just going to lose because until something else is a new high for them they can go somewhere else and get yeah. you know get likes and whatever they, they just move on yeah um you think it's just a fad just a, it, it's a fad for some but I, there's there's some good in it too. There's there's you know like uh, uh, some young people that kind of get in it and understand what hunting is and, and portraying it in the right light. I just think that, uh, yeah, I'm, it's tough because it's like the the hard part. I think and I think from our perspective, right, like seeing what the younger generations and even our generation, you know, has been brought up in. Um, it's hard to think how can we get people to continue this on if we're not utilizing where they're at, you know. What do you mean? So like, well, they're on social media, mm-hmm. oh, right? right? And that's right. why kids are making decisions and doing stuff now. It's crazy how it's crazy. That, so. the, the one thing that, that social media has done, and you, you, if you want to call it YouTube social media too, but it's, sure. it's, it's sped the process, the learning process. Like it doesn't take as long to learn how to, you know, how to set decoys, yeah, how to read birds, how to blow, you know, a call, you know, this in where to hunt and how to see, you know, all that stuff. It sped that process that took me years and years and years to figure out. And I'm not in any way have any animosity towards that. That's just progress. And that's part of like, I have no problem teaching people. And that's part of that is because where I came from, nobody would teach you. That's why I came up with my first DVD is to teach people. So they didn't have to lock themselves in a room and learn all that stuff. So, and I, I'm still of the mindset, like I go hunting, there's things that I, I've never seen. I go out hunting one day and I was, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Or I learned something. And if you teach somebody and you, they, and they raise that bar, that makes you push and try to be a little bit better yourself. Yeah. It makes me, cause I'm competitive at anything I do. If I try to do something, I'm going to win. Yeah. And if I don't win now, you better watch out cause I'm going to get you when you're sleeping. I love that. You know, I mean, that's just how I am. Yeah. And, and so in order for me to be, keep moving that bar up, moving that bar up, everybody else has got to push me. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to teach people how to do things and I'm never afraid. I'm, I'm not worried about somebody being better than me because I'm going to, if they are tomorrow, the next day I'm going to be better. Yeah, man, I can, we can relate to that so much because like obviously just doing the different videos and stuff that we've done, a lot of people have asked us, you know, like how do I start a channel or how do I do this or a podcast or whatever. And we've always said, man, like we're not going to be gatekeepers, you know, like we want to be able to share what we know so that other people can try to do that too. And if we're going to be afraid of what they might do, 
we might want to look in the mirror and yeah. decide yeah. how yeah. hard well, we're really we, caring. Why are we doing it? Yeah, then? what the hell yeah. are we doing yeah. then? Yeah. And yeah. Here, here's you know? my thing on that topic, too, is <clears throat> I'm not a world champion goose caller or anything. But you hang but out I'm, with a few. Hang out with a few, and uh, I know how to kill a bird. And uh, it's like when we started making videos, we started in February Hunting of 2016. Yeah, yeah, like your previous... Right, well, not, yeah. not my OnlyFans. That was now, don't yeah, bring yeah, that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, you never saw him from the shoulders up, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anonymous, <laughs> yeah, very distinguishable, though. <laughs> that was know. all. That was always my claim. I was it's still everybody. That's how I got in the business. I said, "Well, you probably see me, but you haven't seen me." I was money shot. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. But no, I felt so weird because we're starting this YouTube channel in February of 2016. Yeah. So it's right after hunting season has stopped. It's like, what do we make videos about? Yeah. Like, we can't hunt anything. And so Connor's like, well, you know how to duck call. You know how to goose call. You should teach people how to do it. And I'm like, I am in no position to teach people yeah, how to do it. Yeah, this was an awkward thing for us. But you know, no, and I get that. Yeah. Because you're looking at other people you look up to and about... But there's people that don't. Who am I? But you see that at like people come up to the booth. Like today at Game Fair, they walk up to the booth and like, you want to try? No, I'll just buy it. I'm like, you're right here, right now, right in front. Let's let's work it. Let's get like, well, I'm too shy. I'm like, look, I literally started worse than this. Like, I mean, I locked myself. I didn't know how to do anything. So don't worry. I've seen it all, you know. So 100%. Bring it out, you know. So. What's to say that they learn from somebody that has medium skills, bring them up to it, and then you, in turn, when you're teaching them, you learn how because it's hard. There's when some people teaching, that know you learn so much, so much more. because there's so there's so many people that can blow the rear end out of a goose call, but don't know how to tell teach people how they to don't do know it, the right? mechanics of how they it's don't actually know how working. Any yeah. of that stuff. So, you know, there, there's. It made him a way better caller. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like watching us start doing the videos, and as mm-hmm. he progressed showing the videos. Start watching and learning, yeah. yeah. and he was a little... I mean, in the beginning, he was, like, totally against it, and me and Connor were like, well, dude, look, like, this but if isn't about looking, you there's saying... there's always somebody that's going to be better than you at something else. If, yeah. If you're trying to use that as a... You'll never get anywhere. You know, we were right. talking about that upstairs, you know, earlier, that... that it, you got to just stick your feet in, you know, quit being so yeah. conservative about yeah, something. Yeah, you can't just, risk. Like, yeah, if you don't risk, risk you're not going to gain anything. If, yeah, without without risk, there's never no reward. Right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you then. So earlier you had said that, you know, you one of the things. anything. No, no. You said that, you know, it bothers you that guys are like sticking cameras and phones out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to be like you know, kind of in your face about it. But then, you know, what do you say about like you producing the TV shows? Yeah, right? I know. So, like, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah but so, you, like, go, you go in with that intention. Let, let him defend yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it, I get wrapped up in it. And, and yeah. hunting, hunting sometimes, and I see what it does when you have a camera and you're worried about that. You got, did you get stressful. this? You get that? It's stressful. It's sometimes not fun. It takes the fun. 100%. It takes the fun out of hunting. And we've, We've through the years. There was a couple years in it, so we've been filming RNTV for eighteen years. I've been there I was for sixteen say, of it, and I, I filmed the DVD series time. Fall Pursuits and way before that. So twenty some years I've been in the outdoor waterfall industry, filming of some way or another. And there's few years, few years in there where I I get burnt out, literally burnt out because there's so much going. You know, you got to be on the field. You got to be on the you know, and the setup's got to be right. The cam, the lights got to be this. Da 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 da. Everybody's you know, and. I, through the years, I've just kind of gotten more relaxed. It's like, that's not real. Like, 
let's do this as real as possible. We're not doing no fake cutaways. Guys coming up out of the blinds. We're not doing this. We'll take two cameras, and what we get is what we get, and it's real. You yeah. Know? And and quit worrying and fussing about how great the hunt's going to be and all this, because people have bad hunts. Yes, they and do. And that's part of it, and that's learning. And we have bad hunts. Yep. I get mad, and I scout harder the next day. I make sure I pay more attention to detail and setting up the blind and where the decoys are and, you know, where they're coming from, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So I wanted to ask you what all goes into producing RNTV, you know? So like how many camera guys do you, do you plan out your year ahead of time? Do you we try, wait I try to, like, and you know, we used to go and film a bunch of hunts and then just throw it up at the end of the year and go, okay, we can make a show about this. We can make a show about this. We can make it. You go through the footage at the end of the year. And we would, we did. And that was looking back on it. That was the wrong way to do it. Yeah. It's better to go in with a specific purpose. Like, what are we? What's our main goal here? You know, goose camp south. We're gonna go to Oklahoma. We're gonna shoot a bunch of little geese. But it's not about just shooting. It's all about the camaraderie and the fun. Us playing ping pong, yeah. going going to the local burger shack and just jacking around, doing all that kind of stuff. Hundred percent. But having that storyline, when you go into a hunt, you know what your story is. You're more apt to get that B roll because the B roll is what tells the story. It's not, hey, hey man. How many times? How many different ways can you see a goose get shot and die? You know, it's just not right. Is this mallardsmackers.com yeah. yeah. or yeah? People don't aren't really into that anymore. It's yeah. not into that. You know, the old foils rock music. That it just we've seen. I it. still like it. Yeah, but but most people don't. They want to they want to be entertained. You know, they want to see personality and they, they want to learn something. They want to be a part of it. Yeah, too. they want to feel engaged. Yeah, yep. yeah, and they. I think more than anything, people want to know you. You know, like, what do, what do you do outside yeah, of We know you kill birds. And you know? that's so always like, been the hard part for me was putting that other side out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm always Because I think you're reserved. hilarious, but you're very reserved on camera. Uh, oh, 100%. Very professional. Like, if, yeah. Like, yeah. And I've tried yeah. over the years to be more who I really I'll go, am. Because yeah. I am, I am, like, I people think I'm serious all the time. Yeah. My my wife says I got that angry bitch face all the time because I'm always thinking about how I'm going to kill him tomorrow. You know? Resting <laughs> bitch face. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why you're mad. You yeah. stay mad I'm, at him. Oh, I'm mad at him. Yeah, but yeah, just sick but for like it, huh? just just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. If I'm I'm going to beat you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So I've heard a rumor from more than it's probably one, true. Yeah, more from more than one person that. You are like very serious in the blind, like no talking. Hey, man! Like yeah. you're there to kill birds, and that's it. Damn right. Is there any other reason to go out there? I mean, yeah, camaraderie, like, have fun. Hey, I get mad at them, not at the people. In the, I'm mad at the birds. Like I yeah. want to win every day. Like yeah, well, you're competitive. So, so like, is it like a numbers deal, or why are you so like serious? No, it's not about a numbers it? deal. Just I just want to win. Successful as you can. I want to win. win. I want to yeah. win. I mean, it's not about shooting the limit. I want to win. Yeah, you know and. I just, I mean, it annoys the crap out of me when you're calling birds and there's three birds, they're on their phone and they're laughing and hooping and hollering. I'm like, hey, but they're coming. Like, yeah. Yeah. shut up. Don't you give a shit? Yeah. Well, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. but the guys I hunt with will just mess with me too. So oh, I've yeah. learned it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm pretty serious about it. Yeah. To yeah. the point, it's probably not healthy, but yeah. Yeah. Are you ever yelling at people in the blind and shit? Like, oh, shut sometimes. Up. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I'm a little general Nazi dude. In there. Yeah. Here's here's what I, 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 but the last few years I've learned to take it a lot less. Take serious. it down a notch. Yeah. Well, here's my thing. Until it doesn't go right for about two three days, and then it, yeah. then anyway. it comes back out. Then you're oh, yeah. fucking really mad at them. Never gone. <laughs> right. Can't hide how mad yeah. at them you yeah. are. Because people will ask me like, 
like all my friends, like when I was partying back in the day, they'd be like, where'd you go, Joe? Why'd you stop drinking with us? Why'd you stop coming to the U of M? Like, why aren't you here on the weekends? Like, this is that <clears throat> without like the alcohol, you know, like I can, oh, still, I can yeah. still hang out with my friends. I can still have a great time. It's not deer hunting where you have to sit alone, <clears throat> quiet, no smell. Oh, you're yeah. hanging out with your buddies. You're laughing, you're hooping and hollering and you don't have to shut up until someone sees birds. Yeah. You know, uh, Hey man, if we're on a hunting trip, I, I'm in bed early, <laughs> but I don't sleep. Right, yeah. Really? I just sit Fucking there. I'm, oh, I got it going through my head. All right, this is the way it's going to go. We're going to set up like, yep, we're going to do this. They're coming from this way. You know, they, oh, I'm playing it all out. And like, all right, we got to remember to we got to remember to get this out of the barn. We got to have this. We got to do this. I mean, I, I I lay awake all night. No shit. Oh, oh, I, I have not. See. Hey, every I have not slept an opening night or the first night on a trip in, I don't know, 20 years. No way. I, the, the opening it's really night. hard first, for me to sleep. Like, I don't. Night. I just lay, I lay awake being mad at him. <laughs> yeah, I can, all I can see is yeah. him. I'm mad at him right now. My, my no, hair and my arm's standing up. Right, <laughs> now. Pissed right now just talking about it. I can just see him with the Zach Alphanakis meme with the numbers, and he's like, yeah. equations, just yeah. laying in bed. Yeah. And the guys the guys in the crew will be screwing with me and stuff, and I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Who Who's that uh, Who's that guy who has glasses, has a southern accent? Phil. Phil. Dude, Phil he Holloway. seems like a fucking riot. Oh, anything. He is a, he, a first class individual at he's every aspect hilarious. of life. Yeah. First rate human being. Yeah. Really good funny. on camera. Oh, yeah. He is. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. You like definitely. grow up with him or something? Or no, what? I didn't. We actually met in Manitoba. Excuse me. We were staying um, at the same farmhouse, and he would always come. We had a buddy up there, and he'd get like these three camper trailers and he had a trailer and then his parents house it's a it's a farmstead and they had a house and a trailer and then three little campers they put around this little fire pit and phil and his group would come up there the first week and then my group would come up the second week and we'd hunt we just kind of met each other in passing and my buddy carrie's like you know you gotta go home with Stalin, and he's like i don't want you know this and that i'm the same way you know because i'm owned by a man keep your circle small yeah and he's the same way. And finally, we, we got together and hunted and hunted one day. He stayed, and we had a snow goose literally land on the blind, on the layout blind, just shot the living heck out of the, the white geese and shot our limited dark geese and everything. So then the next year, we hunted like two two day, two or three days, and then more and more. And then we just ended up, his crew and his and my crew, we just kind of combined. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, few people did you know just stop going or whatever and, and we've been doing it ever since for probably i don't know 12 14 years he now. stays mad at him too huh yeah yeah not well, he's, he's no he's he's the fun guy so we got it's pretty fun <clears throat> so it's it's a running joke there's two trucks on the road all the time there's the work truck and the fun truck mine's the work truck <laughs> i'm the one telling they're that they're the fun truck they're the ones going out and making sure all the farmers are taken care of and doing i'm always watching the birds yep. you know he's I'm getting beer for the farmers oh yeah yep yep give them yep. The drinking give them couple shots. with yep. them yep yep they're out there they it's pull the, the combine they pull the combines over they're doing all that stuff and that's man we have a cool team like a yeah. cool cool team and you know how it is when you hunt with everybody everybody's got to not just get along everybody kind of has a role right yeah you know and they're the fun, you know, they're the fun. Like, I have fun, too, but they are the fun guys. They're the ones that go out and do, you know, build the relationships with the farmers and all that, and I'm the one making sure the hunt the next day is going to be pristine, as good as it could possibly be, 
You yeah, know? it's it's funny you say that because like me and Joey definitely have a different, you know. I'm yeah. a fun guy. Yeah, Joey's fun guy. And you know what's what's. But I'm very serious at the hunt. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Joey's very serious about hunting. But like in terms of if I need someone to just entertain some dudes. I already know yeah, he's going to do it, Phil like without Tyson, a question. Yeah, Phil and Tyson. Just and I don't have to worry about it, so it's good for me. I'm yeah. permission guy. Yes. I'm the one I'll, who goes up and I meets the guys. I promise you, and Phil's got a permission rate is higher than anybody I know. So does Joey. Like, he'll walk up there, and they, I don't, I'm sure they don't understand him. And he'll be like, he'll <laughs> oh, be, he, be, like, be talking, they'll be looking at him funny, and he know, he's just shaking his head, you know, like this, and he'll look over at Ty, he'll tell him, Ty, and Tyson will tell him, like, hey, we're fitting to hunt over here tomorrow, you know. <laughs> Dude, Joey's the guy that if you don't get permission and then he goes, you'll, you'll be standing oh, there with him, and they'll tell him no. Yeah. But you'll be leaving there with a yes. So, yep. like, somehow yep. in the middle of yep. it, they'll be like, well, I don't think. And he'll be like, well, what about if? And then it's just this negotiation yeah. that he makes them get into. And then eventually yeah. we leave with permission. I'm like, hey, guys, oh. I'm going to have to go back there on Sunday with my tools and <laughs> fix something on his roof. Yeah. Oh, what? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. Oh, just hey, one me time off. we we're, we pull over to talk to this farmer and Phil jumps out and Phil owns the fabrication, a couple of fab shops. He jumps out and he doesn't even say anything to the guy. <laughs> welding on his combine on the side of the field he, the guy's welding on it hey phil jumps out he taps the guy on the shoulder grabs a welder in the hood and starts finishing welding it he welds <laughs> up the deal and then he starts talking to him yeah guess what we can hunt hell Everything yeah you he can he go, phil can weld he can lay down a weld so yeah i oh think uh, i got one story not to like brag or anything but i was out in south dakota with just me and my dog and i'm like you know what i'm gonna go out and jump snows i don't care what happens? I'm going to jump snow. So I go to this place and it's a roost, 100% a roost. And you can see all these trucks lined around this giant lake. And I'm like, what way could I get down to that roost? Right. And I go and knock on this dude's door and I knock on it and the screen instantly falls off the hinges. And I'm like, oh shit. And I like run back to my truck, grab my drill and I have screws in my truck, come back to the door and the dude has a door open. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I came up to the door, I knocked on it, fell off, so I'm just going to put it back on. And he's like, well, shit, bud, it's it's already been broken. He's like, well, yeah. you, you can fix that? And I was like, yeah, I'm a contractor. I feel terrible, whatever, and I'm starting to fix it. And then we talked for like 20 minutes. And he's Not like, even why talking are, about hunting. No, he's yeah. like, no. Why, yeah. why the fuck are you here? I'm like, oh, I was just wondering if I could walk you know, a mile and a half down to that lake. And he goes, well, yeah. He goes, are you going to shoot a cow? I'm like, where are your cows? He goes, Not anywhere near the lake. I was like, okay. So, no, I'm not going to shoot a cow. And he's like, I don't know if you'll be able to get to the lake. It's kind of frozen, but whatever. And as I'm walking down there, I hear people, like, honking their horns, like, don't fucking do it. It's like all these guys. Oh, you thought they were telling you to, though. Right. Yeah. And I just said, I don't care. I'm, I went down there with four boxes of shells and my dog, fell through the ice, got to the island, and every time eagles would come down, they'd spook up the snows, and they'd go like this around the lake. And every time they'd make a swoop, I would just absolutely murder them. Oh, like, wow. just drop the bottom out of them. And yeah. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. And my dog was so tired. And you're high-fiving yourself. And oh, the horns I, I are shot, he called me road. right after. And he's like, you yeah. won't fucking believe what just yeah. happened. And then you I got shot the 84 internet. geese. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. Everybody's trashing them. No, this is well before the <laughs> internet. And I shot 84 geese that day by myself. Dang. And it was the funnest shit ever. And that guy still calls me once a year. He's like, hey, man, I got more shit to fix on my house. If you want to come out here yeah, shoot come out and shoot snow <laughs> So he calls me yeah. every year and lets me know when they're using his lake as a roost, but they never left. It was like yeah. a million on that lake, and they just kept. <laughs> but it's like being a contractor is the best thing ever. Yeah. 
But, you know, back to, like, being serious and stuff in the blind, and I get, like, I want to win so bad. You know, it's not shooting the limit, what I would, you know, but I just want to win. And, but when you hunt with people that don't get to go a lot or are new to it, and, like, like last year we were in Manitoba hunting, I brought a buddy of mine, and he brought his daughter. And we are you know, it, it was an okay hunt. And the, just the look on their face, the smile, you know, they're like, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this is unreal. And you're like, eh, it was just all right. Yeah. No, but it puts things in perspective. Yeah, like the bar that we set is is on an everyday hunt is probably most people's perfect hunt ever. Well, you got to realize, right, like at the end of the day, it's just like anything. You know, if you commit your life or you're interested in it to a, you know, a degree – beyond what most people are, you know, what's possible. Yeah. You know, you know what that good hunt really can look like. Yeah. And that's what you're chasing, man. I mean, and that's what you want. And that's not that you feel like you have to go out and do that every time, but you just think to yourself, if I don't do everything I can for that to happen, I'll never even know if it would have, you know what I mean? So that definitely gets you. We just ran Joey out. Yeah. No, he's asking me uh, if I need a beer. Oh, you need more. You need to grab the rack. Yeah, I know you are. I'm, I know. I'm good. I'm still got, yeah. I'll take that. <clears throat> hey, what do you think that rack scores? Big. Yeah. It says 105 calories here, so. That's bigger than 105, I, I promise you. <laughs> That's a 150 to 160, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's false, oh, false no, advertising. That 180. Yeah, that's false advertising. Definitely. That's thick. Um, before we get back, I just want to bring up another one of our sponsors, Sean, uh, First Light. I don't know if you've seen any of the new First Light waterfall stuff that's coming out. Um, it's a big tango-free sick guy. I know he so. is. That's why I had to tell him about Six it. This guy sit here and smile. Yeah, you have to sit there and <laughs> smile while we talk about it. They have some unbelievable stuff, though, you guys. They have a rugged wool product that you definitely want to check out. It's a wool that's got two layers, super durable, and as Joey calls it, durable. Durable. Duro. Uh, so hard in Spanish. Yes. Duro. And you need to check it out. So go to firstlight.com and check it out. They've definitely spent way too much time making these products amazing. So we had a chance to check them out last year. And we're pumped to wear it this year. So go check that out. <clears throat> so, dude, with with doing this for 18 plus years, right? Do you think the way that you got into the industry was just straight through contest calling? <clears throat> Yeah, and that's changed. Did like someone that's just changed. pick you up, or what? was no, it on accident? No. Did you foresee yourself like in a life in this industry? Uh, not growing up, no. Um, it just happened by chance. Like a lot of us, we just kind of move around. And I was telling your wife earlier that I I was uh, had a great job. Worked in the office furniture industry, manufacturing engineer, new product development. Traveled around. Had great great life. And all of a sudden, economy took a dump, and I have the burp. The antler. That's fine. Um, <laughs> big score. So <laughs> the economy took a dump, and next thing you know, we're having a, a company meeting, call everybody out there and said, hey, uh, we're closing down uh, New Jersey, um, Dallas, Rock, uh, Roswell, Georgia, and this plant, 3,400 of you, and you've got yeah. uh, eight weeks and then 16 weeks of severance pay. And it's like, What okay. year was this? Mm, 80s. Uh, 2002. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh. And so at that point, you had yeah. won world. Yeah, I'd won the world. Yep. And so, so you kind I, of were I, in it I, a little. I did that. I I won the world. I started. I did the um instructional honker talk instructional. Yep. Deal. It was honky talk, right? Honker. Honker. Talk. Honker. We like to call it honky talk, yeah. though. Yeah. 
uh, I did that. So I kind of was already dabbling in a little bit and, you know, working shows for, for Fred and Jeff and a few people. And so I was kind of had that side of it and I was trying to decide what to do. And I already had the cameras and did the instructional deal. And I said, well, I'm going to make a run at making DVDs. Just try it. Take some risk. Right. So I did this that. This is on your own. Yeah. On my own. Just bought some cameras and, and, you know, not making an income, you know, pay, you know, self-employed insurance, bought that all that stuff and uh did that for a little while then went to work for uh avery outdoors started going to china i spent 56 days in china one summer that sucked watched my kid turn a year old and literally watched him walk on his birthday and the next day got on a plane and flew away for 30 days so Damn. Oof, that yeah that, that, so, that's rough because it's you know i mean that was pre-facetime all that stuff and a one-year-old kid they don't they can't talk you know like Right. So that, that's just in your 13-hour time difference, so days, night, night's day. Yeah. So Avery just sent you over to China for what? Yeah, we were, well, I was doing product, product engineering stuff and development, yeah. They're working on blinds and dog stands and ladders and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. And I just kind of kept moving through the whole deal. But contest calling, what that did back to your deal is it it kind of opened the door to people knowing who you were. Now today you've got social media to do that. You don't need that you know that deal do you think that's backwards <clears throat> social media thing like do you think you need to be a world champion in order for i like, don't think so i just think you need to be uh, skilled at your craft and presentable and and likable and give a shit yeah and care about what's going on right yeah. right but um so yeah it I forget what we were talking about you give me too many oh animals. you were you were talking about um, we were just talking about if contest calling is what really got you oh yeah it. so Back to that is, I, I just I still think, even though you you're presentable on camera and doing all this stuff, even in with social media today, you still have to have other skills, yeah, to fall back on. Right. You can't this hunting is being working in the hunting industry isn't all about going hunting every day, right? And that's what everybody sees that thing, and then people ask, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to? Do? Well, you got to have some skills. What are you going to have? Whether it's in marketing, accounting, whatever it is that uh, uh, you know, you're a pretty face, whatever can talk on camera. You got to have some skills to be able to fall back on. You can't just be a contest caller and sound good on a goose call so to be you able were, to make it in this industry. It was pretty lucky that you were <clears throat> you went to college for what you went for and you had experience before no, I becoming. Did, I didn't world even champion. go to school for that. I went to school for something else and got. Yeah, it was totally. Yeah, but that worked it, out really. Yeah, well it does. It's just just life. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that seems pretty. I don't know if the right word is fortuitous, but it seems like pretty apropos. Honestly, it's just like. Oh, I'm doing product engineering, mechanical engineering, and now I'm helping make yeah. products for waterfowl. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah, at one point I was yeah helping design like office furniture, how to put it together, <laughs> and tooling, and doing facility layouts, airdrops, and electrical for two hundred ninety thousand square foot facility. And now I'm pulling a goose call. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you do you find that side of the industry of like doing R and D and making new products is that like exciting because i know you did a lot on the tangle free blind mm -hmm. on like the panel blind and then yep. you also made those braces to hold them for like high wind yeah. shit so like is does that excite you or do you feel i'm always about making something better tomorrow that you did today so whether it's the tomorrow's hunt or the gear we use any of that stuff i'm never i never satisfied with what we have right right i always yeah. want something better and so yeah that excites me yeah yeah because yeah. i feel like there's so many products that we there's could so many like products. vamp up in this industry it's like that why what? do we not 
that we could vamp up like so many better, products revamp do do something different yeah is that a money thing or is it because if you think uh, it, about it how it comes many down to cost and what you have put in it it's also trying to get somebody to back you and it's i mean i've taken products to to companies that i've designed that i don't want to it's going to cost too much or nobody will like it and then two years later you see two companies out there making it yeah and it's like uh yeah yeah that's a that's a whole different because mm-hmm. I feel with yeah. waterfowl, especially like back in the day, we made a joke on it on like a previous podcast, like the old spinner decoys, right? Like, when are you going to use them? You're going to use them in the water. Should we make them waterproof? No, no, let's yeah, not make well, them waterproof. Yeah, for, there's a lot of room 20, for development. For some of that years, is built in obsolescence too, right? You know, like like let's make. Are you going to buy more? You're going to buy another one next year, right? You know, exactly. They want to they keep exactly. making money, but have you seen a lot of that <clears throat> in waterfowl, especially? I've seen it, and I've also seen there's a lot of uh, in. I thought going from corporate world to the outdoor world, there was going to be less politics. There's just as much politics, yeah, involved in what kind of products are on the market what gets put on the store shelves who's paying for the advertising doing all this stuff there's so many good products that who you don't, know you're, you're so as you, we were talking earlier your network is your net worth and there, there's good products that never even make it and there's gr- horrible products that that people push that make no difference or make hunting or harder or worse what <laughs> what do you think is the most revolutionary waterfall product that we've had like what changed the game the most oh 100 the spinning wing decoy. yeah 100 that's 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 just made everybody it put everybody more on a level playing field right for the majority yeah. especially the further north we you you are oh yeah mm-hmm well, yeah, because they they've never seen it. Right, right. Those fresh ducks have but never seen. But uh, you know, when we're when we're waterfall hunting, just think about it. We think we're all great hunters and we can do all this and that. We really only kill the dumb ones, right? The young ones. So when we have a bad hatch, you know, hunting it, hunting's tough. You know, yeah. and it's back to square one and back to the drawing board. So yeah, it's like every October in Minnesota here, we have we call it the October lull. It like yeah. humble, it humbles the shit out of me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's 200 geese in that field. I'm gonna go hunt them. No. None of them come back. Why? Yeah. The wind conditions were the same, overcast, whatever, and they're just they're gone, gone. That's changed too. Like back, you know, in the early season, 15, 20 years ago, it, it was just a given they were gonna be back there the next day. No, it's different now, and some of that's pressure, I think, and some of that's just when the birds, the hardest birds to hunt. Anywhere, period. Anywhere. Where are they? In town. They're your local birds. Yeah. yeah your local school, birds. High school baseball field. Well, but but your your local bird, <laughs> your local birds, your lo- yours, mine, those are always the toughest birds to hunt. Anytime they come into an area or they're born in an area and they get acclimated to the area and they know where the food source is, they know where safe is, they are the hardest birds to hunt. Yeah. Because they already know where they're going. They're not reacting to call. They're doing their own deal. And the only way to shoot them is new birds come in. Don't they're they not imprinted. Them. They join in. They're not imprinted. They make them do stupid things, or you get some sort of weather, some sort of a factor. Yeah, that favor. makes them do something. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest place that you've hunted? Like, what's the most difficult place you've been? My Allen County birds back home. I mean, it's just because we tend to fall into as hunters, we start doing the same thing over and over. We have tendencies. Yeah that we do things over and over. We don't think out of the box and we don't do things different. You know, like everybody back home back in the day would have, now they have five dozen silhouettes and a, and an A-frame in the back of their trip. So the geese see the same thing, you know, the geese fly out off their, you know, out of town or whatever. What do you do? First thing you do, what do you do? 
call or flag, right? One of the two things, right? That's what they see in here. So every day they're condition smart. They see the same spread. They see the same same blinds. They see they hear the same call and they do all that. So that's why they're smart. Yeah. It's not like they're book smart. But so to combat that, you got to do something completely different. Come out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Put your call in your pocket. Let them fly by. Do a smaller spread, bigger spread. What everybody else do? Whatever. My whole deal. I grew up hunting public, and literally, you're around a one mile, basically a one mile square, one mile by one mile by one. Yeah. And you would draw a zone in that in that zone, and there may be eight to eleven other groups of hunters in that same field. You're literally. Down a corn road that goes a half mile long on one side, on the north side of the road, and a half mile long on the other side of the road. And there's eight eight to 11 spreads in that field. And literally, you're in a zone that's uh, 100 yards wide. And you could butt up to the one side, and they could butt up to the other. So you had to play the wind, and you had to do different things. It's just you kind of just You kind of just gave me an epiphany because. What did you say about Tiffany? She's hot. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany's really they are, hot. They're crazy, though. You saw the Matrix. <laughs> Tiffany, Brittany. Yeah. Trix. Yep. Trixie. Yeah. You know. Hairdressers. I <laughs> uh, my mom is a hairdresser. That's amazing. And yeah. she is fucking nuts. Wow. So that's incredible. Um no, I I always thought like cows dying. <laughs> so we uh as I'm like traveling around, people are like, the best goose hunters live in Minnesota. You know? And if you can There's kill a lot a goose, of good goose hunters, good but I, I will say can, Minnesota is like the the new Southern Illinois. Right. It's like the hobbit. You have kind of the best of both worlds here. You've got, you're still far enough north that you get the migrating birds pass through, but you also have a really large population of resident birds. Yeah. So you have that good early season beginning. Then you get the molts from them resident birds coming the in. Molts are then key. you get the migrants come in. You've got, it's it's pretty much the new the new frontier, I guess. It's the new Southern Illinois so that it's 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 pretty no, special Min- here. Minnesota is fun, but um, our duck hunting is getting worse. That's what sucks. So like we're we're taking away so much habitat because Minnesota is being developed so much. Like just the shit that I hunted ten years ago, you can't hunt it anymore. Urban sprawl, but you know, I mean, I, you look at that. Like, just look at population trends. I mean, there's from the time I was born till now, there's 150 million more people. There's 200 million then. There's 150 million more. There's 350 million people here. Right. It's the urban sprawl. I mean, a lot of these subdivisions didn't exist. But in some ways, they help, too. It's just evolution. They hold birds they longer. They hold birds. They, right. every, every one of these subdivisions digs a pond yep. to be able to backfill around these houses and raise them up. they got a pond out there. So that's that's holding birds. And that's what's that's what's made the upper Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, really good waterfall, but mostly goose hunting. Yeah. yeah, more than more than the ducks. But my my epiphany, I was going to tell you is what I've noticed is when I travel and hunt geese somewhere, we always do much much better. Yeah, and yeah, I, because, I think it's what? because we're doing what's different than what everyone in that yeah, area is doing. And I've never yeah. thought of it like that. So the first That's thing when insane. I when I come into a town, I want to know we local knowledge is always key you got to have local knowledge like what, well they only come out past nine. what's working what what are you doing what are they that's the, what i always ask what are you doing what are they doing because everybody when you show in the town they're like hey man we're gonna kill the crap bottom we've been having trouble but you're here and i'm like what do you think i'm gonna do any different than you are but let's break this down let's think about this let's let's figure this process out what have you been doing what's been working what hasn't been working what do i know how to do how can we apply this and make a plan right and go in there let's just not show up in the morning and do what we've been doing let's figure this out yeah 
Yeah, 100%. Um, it's interesting because every year we get told that there's less and less people that are hunting waterfowl in this country. Some but fun. every time I go to the fucking boat launch, there's more and more dudes at the boat launch. So, so what's Lee, up with Lee that? Lee Jost and I were talking about that today in the booth. There are. I mean, we, the, the numbers are real. There are less hunters now. But yeah. it used to be 80% of the waterfowl were, were shot or harvested by 20% of the hunters. It's not any. The people that are still into hunt that are into hunting today are hardcore. The yeah. vast majority of them. It's not the twenty percent that are hardcore out of the out of all. It is everybody's hardcore. Everybody's got a trailer. When I first started hunting public around my house, I bought a six by fourteen tandem axle trailer and I pulled that thing in there and everybody's looking at me like what nobody any, had them. There's what in the hell? And there was a couple of people that would convert a boat trailer over and put like a four by eight box on it and put you know like six dozen super mag shells in there. But I had this sucker full of Bigfoot decoys and I go plop that sucker out there. And I'd I'd fill it up with with Bigfoots and outlaws and outlaw silhouettes and and call on that half breed nobody could call on a half breed they were all using the big rivers flutes and, and, and yeah yeah you know those old haronkers and uh and, and they weren't and I they'd be halfway across the refuge and I just start in on them and they right in yeah because I was different but now you go there and everybody's got a freaking trailer everybody's got a trailer and it's full of stuff so what do you got to do you got to do something be different and that's i'm always looking for the next level or the next avenue or something that's why i bought a boat a couple years ago everybody you know you're always fixing with yeah yeah i break stuff a lot yeah between your truck your boat your trailers Mm -hmm. yeah you should be just a mechanic well i keep them in business yeah 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 yeah. you're supporting small business welders lately but yeah so i'm always looking you know when covid hit every kid was out of school yep great everyone went hard and they went at it baby yeah everybody went at it and they all had their their silhouettes in the back and they were all throwing it out there every day during the weekdays when when i was really trying to make days during the weekdays right right no so i bought the boat to try to be different try to do something different yeah uh, and try to change you know try to become a better waterfowler get set in your ways hunting field and do this and we're I like to think we're pretty decent at what we do in the field, and this this water hunting's humbling, man. It's it's different, but I want to learn it's it. I want to learn it to be different because everybody different. else is in the fields. It's it's getting harder to get permission anymore. Yeah, and we're, our resource is getting lim- more limited. These more of these subdivisions come out. Yeah, more less these, and less fields. More of these cities incorporate. It's zone different. It's, it's now. zone like some of these these fields around here are probably in city limits yep. that you can't hunt. And that's the way it was around Chicago too when I was guiding there. And, um, they just have, they don't have to come out. So you got to think about different ways, you know, to be successful. I've heard a lot of guys in like city limits where there's still like fields for some reason, they will go out the morning that they want to hunt and they will park a trailer in that oh, field. Done that. They'll do like shit yeah. and they will yeah. like push them out of there. And so when they're being lost puppies, they'll be like, Oh, there's geese here. I'm going to land there. And I'm like, Damn, I someone told me that like twelve years ago. They put like scarecrow with like orange ribbons. So on we've him. done that. We've done that like big fields, big big fields. We've done well. We've pie plated field, you know, and done stuff. So I don't mean to cut you off, Sean, but I want to talk about our last podcast sponsor for the night, and it's Sound Gear. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sound Gear, but it's custom hearing protection, and it is seriously unbelievable. It is Bluetooth. It is rechargeable. Like, so you don't have to put little batteries in those tiny little doors and connect your phone to it. And it's like, kind of like your AirPods where you charge the case and then you can keep putting your, are you deaf or do you use hearing protection? I can't hear. 
Yo, you nice. have both. you have yeah. hearing aids. Both, yeah. Yeah, so you have deaf, hearing aids. Deaf instead. Yeah, too many shotguns. Right. Yeah. Well, and so would you suggest that people my age, thirty 100%, and thirty it, and it, younger, that's one of my top things for anybody getting into it. Protect your hear, hearing because you'll never get it back. No matter what, you know, you go to the doctor and get hearing aids. It doesn't. It's not the same. Do you have tinnitus? Yeah. Rings. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Damn. Does it yeah. kind of drive you nuts? Yeah. What's that? Does it kind of drive you nuts? <laughs> you get used to it, huh? Was that a joke? That? Huh? Was yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> you no, don't know where it's coming from, dude. That was so right? perfect. Yeah. Well, I grew up. I grew up shooting a lot of guns, handguns, ARs, and shotguns, of course. And ARs and pistols really hurt my ears. Where it's like, wow, I need to wear muffs or something. And then as like the last four or five years, I really started to notice when you get rung, it's like. Ouch! Like ported chokes right next to your head. It's like, dude, he is a muff kind of guy, isn't he? Big time, big muff guy. Yeah, big fucking. Muff I dive. Guy. I knew that. I dive. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, <laughs> so go to soundgear.com. You can actually also use. You can use our discount code. We're gonna let Joey give a give a crack at it. MF one twenty five. He just called Joey a crack addict. Yeah, I did. Unbelievable. <laughs> MF125. That's how you know his hearing is good. Yeah. Get 125 bucks off of their instant fits, their lowest level hearing protection. They look like little orange earplugs. but I'm it, almost crying. Dude, but give it a second, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, we asked you earlier, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you hunting? Or can you tell us a crazy story from hunting? Nope. Damn. Nope. That's it, nope, huh? Nope. Uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, we had one guy come out and try to cut wood behind us and had to call the game wardens had like four game wardens out there half the crews behind us and like hunter harassment <laughs> yeah well it's 100 percent hunter well right. and then his son went around us and was wearing hunter's orange in the woods to the south of us and every time a flock of geese would come over he'd shoot and then the old man would be behind us and start banging his bucket said he was out there cutting wood he's just cutting little saplings and got the oh man it was a it was a whole deal. It was a whole deal, and we're so sitting out charged. there the whole time. This is going half the crews up there yelling at this guy with the game wardens, and there's like three or four of us. That we'd shoot our limit, and then we'd take turns. We'd go up there and give this old man crap. And yeah. Then, and then the other group come in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was big mad by the end of it. Oh, he looked like Elmer Fudd, too. He had the same <laughs> hat and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. Built. Yep. Was he pissed because he wanted to hunt it, or was he just pissed that you were there in general? Just because we were there in general. Yeah. Some people just, oh, I got a really good one. Yes. That, this leads me into, so we're in Ontario, and have you ever hunted a golf course? Yeah. You Not have. me, Joey is. It feels weird. Feels unacceptable. Like you're not supposed to be doing it. So we're over there. We're over there in Ontario, and I've got um, Bob Elferry from GK Calls. Ron Latchaw, who designed Final Approach layout blinds and all that, and myself and my buddy. So there's four of us. It's a 27-hole golf course. It's kind of misty, rainy, whatever. Mm. This car, we're shooting birds, and it's just weird because, like, we had no blinds. We're with the blind man, Ron Latchaw. We have no blinds. We're hiding behind these pine trees, and the birds would come, and we just kind of shimmy around them. If they'd circle, we circle. Just okay. complete 180 of yeah. the thing. <laughs> so we're doing this. We're shooting birds. We've got a spinner, uh, a duck spinner, on the tee box behind us. We shoot a couple black ducks, come into the spinner, and you know, so that's just weird. This car keeps going by slow on the road, just back and forth, slow on the road to stop. What's going on? I mean, you know, you get people watch you or whatever. Next thing you know, the OPP pulls into the caretaker's house. Up what is front. that? 
OPP? Police, provincial police, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, other people's. Uh, that's what I was that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You that's know what OPP, yeah, yeah, you know, know me. But no, so the OPP pulls in there. Next thing you know, on the loudspeaker, hunters, please report to the road. We're like, huh? Hunters, please report to the road. My buddy's from Ontario. He's like, I got this. So he goes up there and he starts dealing with this lady cop. And she's like, you're not supposed to be here. And you're shooting Canada's national bird. This is the cop. You're shooting Canada. We got called on by this gawker on the road. Said we were shooting Canada's national bird. Which is what? I have no idea, but it's not a Canada goose. So, <laughs> Or a black duck. Or a black duck, yeah. So you're shooting Canada's national bird. You're not supposed to be out here. Da, da, da. So then the caretaker's wife comes out there. And then two more OPP officers, male officers, pull in. And going back and forth, you know they're out there hunting? They're like, yeah, the caretakers. And she's like, we invited them out here. It's 27-hole course. We shut down nine holes. There's 18 are still open for members. We have a very bad problem. They're invited here to help us take care of these, can't, you know, get these geese off of here. They leave a mess. It causes a big problem, blah, 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 blah. And they wanted to see our our all our, you know, and at the time you had to have all your guns individually registered and all that stuff. They wanted to see all that. And finally, the, the two cops are like, um, girl, get out of here. Oh, and they really? Sent, yeah, they told all of their OPP, just get out of here. You know, wh- one thing about hunting in Ontario, you get one or the other. It's it's highly conservative or very liberal. Yeah. Mm. And we got the very liberal one at first. Yeah. yeah. But most of the time I've had interactions with uh, police have been in Ontario. Another time in Ontario, we get done hunting in it's it's the field sat way back in, so we had to four wheeler the trailer in, and yeah, so you had to go down the laneway and go across this ditch, get into the field, and then a couple of us had waders on, so we could cut across the field, go through the ditch. Right. A couple of us didn't have waders, so they had to walk and follow the trailer, but they were way behind the trailer. Same deal. Getting towards dark, honors police report, well, whatever. What's well, shooting time there is in in Canada is a half hour after and after sunset she does you know that's when it really gets good right so we weren't we're like oh that's so-and-so the scout you know messing with us now and so we go up there and the first one to get there is the um the trailer then me and my other buddy and waiters and then the other crew well this cop up there thinks we're trying to surround him it's starting to get dark oh shit. he's freaking out he's got a hold of his gun my my camera my camera guy's running his mouth and just being belligerent about things. And he's trying to tell us that that we got the, the, the police were called on us because we were raining pellets on this lady's house. And we're like, where is this house? And he said, it's on the other side of the section. And we're like, that's literally a mile away. There is physically, the physics of steel shot the, with the right yeah. trajectory and the right atmosphere is going about Not 220 yards. Yeah. If you're pointing just right with the right wind and the right atmosphere, you know, 220 yards. There's no physical way. My camera guy's starting to, trying to argue with this guy, and he's threatening to throw him in jail. It, oh, my God. It, 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 it went. It, got I'm, off the rails. Oh, it, it got off the rails, but we righted the ship a little bit and, and got out of that one. But, yeah, that was that was some pretty hairy stuff for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I should have let that little guy go to jail. <laughs> Just go yeah. have to get him. I don't, think Skeeter uh, I don't think Skeeter would have done well in jail. Canada it, jail, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true, I was but, just going to say, yeah. Canadian. Yeah. What are you in for, eh? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit, bud. Oh, you're hunting, yeah. bud. Oh, you're in trouble, yeah. eh? Yeah. Oh god. You're oh, not even come wearing, here, little guy. You're not yeah. even wearing your tool, okay? <laughs> How Don't about mind hanging on a bottom jump? Uh, who do you, who do you feel like if you had to name a couple of people, who'd you learn the most from in terms of hunting? Like who have you just 
or you soaked it. Yeah, soaked it in from. I mean, I'm sure there's people too that may have done one thing that made you think <clears throat> I, about I everything probably, differently. I probably wouldn't look up to any one person. I but multiple people for little things. I try to take something little out of everybody from. You know, my dad's friend taking me hunting when I was little to hunting with Tim Grounds and, you know, in Mexico. And, and just I, I try to take little pieces from it, just different people. I wouldn't say any one person. Um, two biggest influences in my calling career would have been Sean Mann and Tim Grounds. But um, but just taking the most advice and anything, probably nobody really in particular. Just a lot of, lot of people that made up the whole. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Um, That's not the answer you were looking for, I know. It's all right. No, it was a bad answer. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so if you had to just like right now dream up a hunting situation, mm-hmm. your perfect hunt, if you, you could go on one more hunt in your lifetime, just set set the scene for me. Where are you? Is it water? Is it a field? What are you hunting? You know? Uh, Probably Manitoba, hunting the Hutterite Colony with, with my close friends. <laughs> I mean, really, it doesn't – It's it. it Location because of people. Yeah. Yeah, more than anything. But it, it's probably too vague for you, isn't it? No, it's I'm, fine. I mean, I mean I, you. what kind of birds, what birds you I'm hunt? going goose hunting. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, a field? I, I'm kind of known as the goose guy at R&T, but, like, I grew up probably like you guys did in the middle. I mean, I shot divers. I shot whatever you could get your hands at. But, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I, I really like fooling big honkers. Yeah. That's kind of my game. Manitoba big honkers. Yep. yep. Shoot Crappy before, weather. Shoot them before they get to Minnesota and they educate them. Yeah. Yep. No, that's real. <laughs> it really, really yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is real. Um, we were talking before the podcast about how you'll shoot anything. Like you like shooting divers and whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, you're obviously a person where a lot of people are like, "Hey, come hunt with me. You should come here. You should do that." What sets apart like an invite? for you to like go on a hunt where it's like oh i'm intrigued i actually really want to do that is it something that you've never done or is it the area or is it the species so every year i try to do a new places new faces type of deal we try to step stick in our core competency what we know how to do go out there and get it done but i like to see new places around north america and i like to meet new people we went to new brunswick a few years ago that was one of the coolest places i've got a lot a big cool list but when you go hunt like at the foothills of the Appalachian Trail, and you're hunting in mountains. And when you go scouting, you got to go, you see birds, but the only way to get to them is you got to go all the way around the mountain and find them again. It's pretty cool. And when you're set up in a field and they're like, geese, 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 and you're like looking up and they're like, no, no, down. You're like looking yeah. down at them flying across. It's, it's really, really cool. So I like, I like new places and new faces. I like to mix it in. Yeah. But I is still, there anywhere you just go back pretty much every year, every other year, like you're always? Uh, a few places, but there's got to be, you know, for filming-wise, I, I, I would love to go back to certain places just because of the people. Yeah. Like a lot of the places we go that I go hunting are, have more to do with the people than the actual quality of the hunt. So there's places where we go in Manitoba, it's not really that great. Uh, what makes it great is the people that that are there and the opportunities that we have as far as getting, you know, the, the relationships and getting on fields. We can hunt less birds, but we have a better opportunity getting on the fields and having access to them. And then the the after deal, what we do, you know, hanging out with them. You know, yeah, they, you sleep that, that trip first night? What's that? You sleep on that trip oh, first hell night? hell no. Probably don't <laughs> sleep the, first, the whole trip, really, because 
Really? Oh, yeah. You're that was, intense about well, it. Well, there's just so much to do, man. You want to see everybody, visit everybody, and then get, you know, hunt. And then you got to scout. And you got to, well, you got to clean birds and process them. And then you got to scout. And then go see people. And then have dinner with them. And hey, you can sleep when you're dead. How many yeah. days are you on the road? From about mid-July to mid-February, kind of wraps up around NWTF. I'm probably gone over 50% of the time, probably yeah. close to 60%. And that's the other thing that, you know, people, when they want to work, they want to work in the industry, they want to do this, They because they see what you do on... Man, it's a cool film. It's the emails, it's the phone calls, it's being away from home, sleeping in different hotels, not seeing your family and doing it. And that's why when, when people say, when you're, do you hunt when you're at home? Not a lot because I have other responsibilities. Yeah. I've, I've got to be a husband. I got to be a father. I got to fix all the stuff that broke while I was gone, yeah. you know, and, and you got to see people that you, family members and stuff. You just don't have a lot of time. Plus you got to get caught up on office stuff and organize the footage and emails and calling sponsors and doing all that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So in terms of just going out and producing that stuff, were you like, here's what we kind of want to make. And then you're coming back and you're helping organize the entire thing of how it looks. Or is it just more like you got people that are kind of working on all that or we've got a really good editor. Now, yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt Barnett at Slate and Glass. He does a tremendous job. Um, he really gets us and the personalities and does a really good want. job. What's that? Knows what you want. Yeah, yeah. And a really good job. You know, the first couple of years working with him, it's like, okay, no, change it. And now when he does something, We'll give him an outline and going in, like you said earlier, going into a show. Now we know um, what we're going to, what our primary focus is. Like this year, I've got uh, my old dog, Carl, with a K. He's a field champion. He's 10 and a half years old going into this. I want to do a show just on him. Yeah. Because this is probably as realistically as last year. So we know going into that, okay, ahead of time, what kind of stuff we need to film. What, you know, that my camera guy, you know, we've got two camera guys. One of them, focus on Carl. This is about him. We know that we got to, you know, film X number of interviews. We got to do all this stuff. Wrap it all up. Get it all done for that for that trip. And you don't have to go back and piece anything back together. It's all done. We can hand it off to him. Give the editor an outline of it. And what he produces is what I had in my head is better, exponentially yeah. better. Yeah. You know, he's just gotten that good at it. And it's that relationship, man. It's really – and surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah. Right? And we talked about that earlier. I had this talk with Joe Hines out in Montana – your circle, man, it's, it's what you got and make your circle, make sure that everybody's that, that you trust everybody, keep your circle small and make sure everybody has a part and, and can do their job a hundred percent. And if yeah. they can't move on. Yeah, you no, know? it's crazy. You said that. Cause I literally just did a 10 minute Tuesday on like um, who you hunt with. on. Like, are you hunting with the right people? Mm -hmm. You know, everybody in our group has a function. We've alluded to that earlier. Uh, you know, we've got the fun truck. We've got the work truck. We've got guys that are good at setting blinds, good guys that are good at scouting, good guys that are good at getting permission, guys that are good talking to landowners and being and fun to be around and entertaining. Yeah. Everybody has got to fit in and have a role. Otherwise, you know, and you, you don't need a bunch of chiefs and you don't need a bunch of Indians. And, and conflict is good. There's conflict in our group. Like, I want people to challenge me. Like, my job is, you know, figuring out how to make, you know, when we step in a field, how to make that a successful deal. That's my job. And I want people like, I might get stale in my mindset. So I want people in my group to be strong enough mind, you know, mentally yeah. to be able to challenge me and come in because I can be a little bit intimidating, you know, cause I'm going to do it this way. I know what works. I know what works. And Tyson will come at me all the time. Well, Hey, you know, let's hunt out in the middle of the field. 
no, it won't work, you know, because I did it 10 years ago and, and they started yeah. getting smart. Well, that was 10 years ago. And it's all about right. revolution, not evolution. The things that work today work, you know, 20 years, years ago. ago yeah. And then it just kind of goes in a Cyclical. circle. So, you know, go back and just challenge that mindset. to, And it makes us collectively, as, and it's a team, right? It makes us better. You know, and we all get along. We know that we all have common interests and goals in this. We all want the best hunt possible. It's not like he's just being a jerk or I'm being a jerk and setting my ways. It's just, you know, and and it's constructive and we get in these little battles and it's we're starting to show more of that on T V. Yeah. The know, real the, the real, real stuff. Yeah. yeah. Not just the you know, being shooting the birds, cluck cluck boom kind of stuff yeah it's one thing people always tell me and joey that they like because me and joey are basically brothers we've we grew up other. together we've known each other since so, we were uh five yeah. we challenge each other all the oh, time I mean, like you know, our, and on, on camera and everything 100 percent. like our group isn't blood but we're better than blood yeah yeah you know we're chosen tight. family yep we are a family yep yeah that's pretty cool man i guess like the last question i had for you sean is if you were to give advice to this generation <clears throat> of like new hunters and people who have only grown up with like social media hunting. I kind of feel like I know what your answer is because Cal tell me what my answer is. Well, it's like, what is your advice to these young hunters? I think your advice is, is don't focus on social media, go out there and actually enjoy it. Why are you out here? Why, why are you, what's the real reason you're out here in the field? Are you out here to enjoy the sunrise, fool the birds, have a good clean fun? Yeah. Are you out there for that, or are you out there to, is this a business move for you to move on to another step? If Instagram uh, was gone, would you still be out there? Would you there? still be out here? And I fear that, you know, with social media, if social media ended tomorrow, how many of these hunters would still be here? We'd, we'd very lose few. a lot, probably. Very, we would lose a lot of people. And, lose a lot. And, and we have strength in numbers. We have voting power with numbers. So we need these hunters. We need to keep them active and whatnot. I, I might not agree with why they're out there, but I appreciate the fact that they are still out there. And yeah. I hope that, I hope that just even a small percentage of them will remain hunters throughout the rest of their life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, because uh, that's the important thing. Like, you know, like my son doesn't, he's, he'll go hunting with me, but he's not a big hunter. Cause I don't hunt at home much. Right. You know, yeah. that's, that's partly my fault, but he understands what I do and he's never going to vote against it. And that's important. Yeah. Because right. we need those votes. 100% oh, we for do. Sure. Well, like we've been running this social media company for, this is our seventh year, right? And we got to the point where Connor, the guy who was doing a lot of our filming, was like, hey, I can't be there as much. Joey, you need to wear a GoPro on your head. Every time you're hunting, you need to film it. And they would constantly get on my case. And I'm like, guys, it's just not the time to do that. Like, I don't want to shove a camera in someone else's face. I don't want to take away from the actual like act of hunting because now I'm not enjoying myself because I'm in this weird spot. And so that's like a fight that we had in our company where it's like, it's not genuine anymore and it's not, it's it, now it a become, job. It becomes a job. And that's where I was yeah. going with this earlier. It, it becomes a grind. And I hate saying a grind. I hate it when people say this is a grind because if it's a grind, why are you doing it? It's not a it should be fun. It yeah. should be a passion. And when you turn a passion into a job, it becomes a job, but you still have to keep that fire lit. And I do things outside of that old mantra, Zinc used to call it the 24-7. You know, we live at 24-7. You cannot live waterfalling 24-7. You will dry up and you will hate it. You have to have other. That's why. But that's why I do other things in the outdoors. Like I turkey hunt in the fall. That's my fish time. Fish quite to, a bit, don't you? I fish 
during as much as I can yeah. because it's my out. That's my that's my charger. That's yeah, my yeah. that's my battery charger. That's what gives me the fuel to be able to be mad at them in the fall and get up and and laugh and not not be just so grumpy. It's it's unbelievable to hear you say that too because we had a we had a point you know like a couple of years ago where. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. So I took, I was gone for like two weeks and these guys did everything and I was completely out of it. And at that two week break, what I realized was the whole thing we started this for is not the reason we were doing the stuff we were doing. And when I came back, we all kind of had this big, I think, powwow, powwow epiphany where we were just like, screw all that. Let's just do what we want to do. Let's have fun. Like, let's enjoy it. And if we're not enjoying it, let's. (coughs) press pause and delete that and get rid of it and stop doing that. Like it's, it's not worth it for Joey and I too. It's like the golf, right. Mm-hmm. Or the fishing or the, you know, whatever it is that we That's have different it. hobbies and it's just, you got to occupy yourself. So that it, it, before I, before I really got into the waterfall industry, I fished like five to six days a week. I would golf two to three times a week. I played on a, a adult hockey league once or twice yep. a week. I did all that stuff. Then all of a sudden I work in the outer and I don't, I don't have time to do any of it. You're yeah. traveling. You can't get on a, can't get on a team because you're not there, you know, it, or you're too tired. It, it just, you, you lose all that and that's all the stuff that made hunting fun is that it was it didn't consume everything yeah so. no it's it's awesome too and i think we're in a way better place of understanding with all that because you know like we had we had a meeting last night you know with and joey had to leave the meeting because he's going to golf league you know and i think a lot of people will be <laughs> I was like on the the google yeah. meet and I was like, had to keep putting my, yeah. my my camera off and put them on mute while I was hitting the ball. And the people I was golfing with were like, "Fuck you, Get yeah." Off but the and, damn and, and you know, you gotta I have fun. A lot yeah. of people, you know, in that situation would be, you know, I've heard people be like, "Well, Joey's at golf league, and you're, you know," and it's like, dude. But I know he needs to go to golf league. Mm-hmm. I'll kill it. He everybody. doesn't do it. Like we won't have any fun. I, and I think it makes you. It makes you well. You're happy, but it makes you a better hunter. And if 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 you're more rounded and you're fresh, <coughs> yeah, like. You just more like I. I feel like I can take, I can take something from fishing and apply it to hunting, or I can take something 100%. from hunting and apply it, like like smallmouth fishing yes. with with live scope and learning to scout, yeah, and, and find and figure out where the why are they moving here? Why are they doing this? Why are they why are they roosting here? Why are they feeding here? Small smallmouth, you know, like move. Why are they moving? All that stuff. I start applying that, and and it makes you sharper out in the field. Because I used to always, I mean, I still believe this. The more days you hunt the sharper you are in the field, the more attuned you are to mother nature and what's going on. And if you're only going hunting six to, you know, 10 times just to go filming, you're not as sharp as you are. You're not reading the birds. You're not reacting. You're not putting the spread out the way you should. So that's why I think it's important to to have those batteries charged and do those other things to keep you sharp in the off season. Yeah. It makes you more pumped about it when you come back to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Well, and nature is nature. So like, Nature kind of moves along a certain, like, current, you know? So, like you were saying with smallmouth. where This <laughs> is so deep. I know. But it's just like, the fish are moving because of this, and if you apply that to hunting, it's like, yeah, I can understand that. So, yeah, the yeah. more that you involve yourself in the outdoors. Well, and, like, one of my things I hate hunting the most is in the fog because I can't see them. Right. Yeah. I can't see them. And that was always the hard part with fishing is you couldn't see them. Yeah. Now with live scope, I can see them. Yeah, and it's not like that. Make like you're gonna catch every fish. I mean, it's that live scope is pretty damn cool. Golly, um, the money on these boats now. Oh, let's say yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if 
four graphs. Yeah, when oh my I, growing God. up, I had an old Shakespeare trolling motor. Yeah, and it had reverse, right? Ooh. You, you, oh, you had to turn it one eighty and pace it the other way. That's there how you go. had reverse. <laughs> That's that. nice. I mean, I went from that, you know, an old Johnson two and a half outboard on a twelve foot flat bottom. Now I got a twenty foot. I got a twenty foot boat that I can put a uh, a duck line. On an express boat, I got four graphs on the thing. I got four. <laughs> got a TV four screen. Tra- I got it. four transducers, a trolling motor. Good God. Three lithium batteries. It's like, I mean, you don't need all that, but. It helps. I do. <laughs> I, helps. do I do because I want to be the best. I mean, I want, I want it all. I want to figure it oh, out yeah. and do what's going on. But but fishing with that live scope has kind of helped me transition fishing more into hunting and being able to follow and figure out where their migrate you know where their their corridors are all this the how current. to pick them off you know the current of mm-hmm. the nature oh yeah right nature i and i'm a firm believer that a good duck hunter is a good deer hunter is a good fisherman it's all good applying it's all applying the process yeah, and I think that's, that's a lot of that's probably just commitment. Like you said, yeah. you know, you wanting to be. Well, it's just, I mean, they're all, they're, it's nature. It's yeah. a current. What did you say? A current. current. It's a current. Yeah. The yeah. vibrations, bro. Yeah. yeah. Everything's got its own I can, vibe. I can feel it. Man. <laughs> so last question for you before we wrap up, because you're you're known as the goose guy at RNT, and I didn't get to ask you any questions about RNT, maybe next year, right? Whenever. <clears throat> But um, three years probably from why why geese? He's on probation for a couple of years, so right, true. <laughs> Write that down. So why geese more so than ducks? Yeah, like what about it gets you more horny? It really doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm an opportunist waterfowler because I come from the Midwest. Whatever like, you have, yeah. Like the first two ducks I ever shot, or first duck I ever shot uh, by myself hunting at 14 was a green wing teal. I mean, in that that year, I also shot bufflehead. I didn't shoot a goose until I was probably uh, two years later. Mm. You know, um, so I'm an opportunist waterfowl. Wherever you know, wherever we're at, whatever best option is. I like Canada goose hunting because they, you can make them do things. You can make them react. You can, you can fool them. You, you can fool them. You can talk them into giving up, as my buddy Jim Ronquist said. You can talk them into giving up. Um, mallards are that way too. We just don't, where I'm from, we just didn't have, we don't have enough mallards to deal with. We got more geese. You than don't anything. have the nostalgia. Yeah. The sentiment for it. No. I mean, I like, I do like shooting mallards. Don't get me wrong, but, um, Canada geese where it's at. It's just kind of what I grew up on, you know, yeah. what I know. So like my thing is grew up Canada goose hunting all the time, loved it, but there's something about small water and ducks and the way they just. When you can like really fool them, I can break their neck and drop away. Give it up, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. And I just can never get they out. They do of that it. muscle man at wing tip. Oh to yeah, pitch. just we call it holding pumpkins, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just there's something about a mallard just dumping into your spread, and you shoot them right before their toenail touches the water. God, I just can't get over. It's that. all. I mean, it's yeah, but you can talk. You, you can widgeon canvas backs. It's all cool. You can you can make scenarios for all that, and it'd still get me up. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I'll get up for it. Every we day. got oh yeah this hunt right here in the middle, and it was so foggy that morning, couldn't see shit. We yeah, we couldn't even find the place that I've hunted a hundred times. It's like twenty degrees, super icy. It was like October, like late October, so all the divers are starting to come down, 
And uh, our, my buddy Gavin was like, you know Gavin. Oh, yeah. And he's never like. Never cuts his grass. Right? It never cuts his grass, has terrible parties, you yeah. know, the whole shooting match. Um, he's like, I've never shot But we still it. love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. debatable. Subjective. Oh, I love him. But uh, we, he's like, I've never shot a canvas bag. I was like, we got to go to this lake, you know. And he, we're like around this point in such a weird fashion where when these canvas bags dumped into our spread through the fog, he couldn't shoot at them. There was 40. You could hear their wings just. And it was just the most ridiculous shit I've ever felt. And I'm like, like, I've shot a lot of birds, but still, when I think of that moment, I'm like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I just pick up the gun. He's like, fuck, I can't shoot him. And I'm like, I'll shoot yours for you. But that's. So we don't. uh, Like, I don't remember the 15 minute pile hunts. Right. I remember stuff like that. That's yeah. the stuff that makes memories. That's the stuff that we need to focus on. And I say this all the time. Piles should not make smiles. Yeah, 100%. Piles should not make smiles. So and don't, if, it, don't if that's the only thing that makes you smile, it's going to suck being a waterfaller. Some of the best hunts I've had have been way less than a limit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. the ones that I remember the most were way less than just bad stuff happened. My dog 100%. crapped in my seat or... <laughs> You know, something yeah. we got stuck or something, oh. you know. Oh man, this is great too. I was in I was in Texas two years ago and I was with Russ and Morgan at Dry Creek and there was like ten dudes that had come, they were being guided. <clears throat> we were having a rough morning. I think we had shot one goose. But the guy had brought his dog. So in this hunt, the cattle that were like way at the other end of this field, they were slowly inching closer and closer and closer. And partway through the hunt, this guy's inexperienced, untrained dog gets up, goes, retrieves the one goose that we shoot, and then holding this goose in his mouth, chased a cattle for about three miles. And we were all running after this dog and kept the goose in his mouth for like 15 minutes chasing this cattle around. And I told those guys right there, I was like, dude. We only might shoot one goose today, yeah, but, but this is the that. hunt you'll remember from this trip. And we 100%. beat him up yesterday. It's crazy. 100%. Yeah. When you talk about it, it just reminds me of other stories too like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're endless. Yeah, they're the yeah, best. Endless. Dude. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, More antlers. People take pictures. <laughs> people take pictures of like pile picks, you know? <clears throat> so if I were to cover these walls. So what's funny is that like when you post something on social media the pile pics get more likes than just like yeah generals which annoys the crap out of me me too like i hate doing it but i do it yeah it's tough yeah well yeah, and it's, it's like i i found this app on my <clears throat> because phone because it could be the biggest pile but it could be the hor- biggest horse crap well you hunt, hated everyone shooting you them with. out the back 100%. you know doing, they just weren't doing it right doing it, you know but it's a big pile and everybody thinks that's the fallacy of instagram it's such a small snapchat or snap shot of reality yeah and it's most of the time it's not even close to reality that's that's the issue i have with it yeah that doesn't really take in a full essence of, i mean like i said a big pile could be a crap hunt and and just a couple of birds could have been great memories but they don't get exemplified that same way on social media 100 percent. Right? there's a there's a small pond not far from here and we took our buddy nathaniel hunting for the first time and we we missed so many birds shot that like day. Six birds. We should have shot twenty, dude. And we shot like two mergs, 
uh, a blackjack, <laughs> one mallard, a goose, <clears throat> a mallard, and Nathaniel just had an absolute blast. Like he's wearing my extra camo. He's yeah. got two different. Lost types my of, charging handle for mm, my gun. Like dumping lot, his shit. Everywhere. Two different, two different gloves. And I remember telling him, and he's like a metro kid. Like he's a city kid. He's like, dude, I just really want to get on hunt with you guys. I was like, well, we don't really have birds around, but let's go here. And I remember him shooting this merg, like he crippled it, and my dog went out and grabbed it. And he's like, dude, it's still moving. It's just doing this. And I'm like, you got to wring his neck. And he's like, what do I do? And I'm like, you got to take him by the head, and you got to throw him around. And he's doing that. And as he's doing it, he's like, how hard do I go? I was like, hard. And as I said that, he goes, whoom, and just throws the body. And he's like, mortified. Just mortified, and I'm just dying laughing. Me, Cal, and my buddy Mattered <coughs> laughing, and then pictures he's, right there. And he's just yeah, this one right here. Oh wow, guy in the middle yep, there, yep, yep. and like he's not even wearing camouflage. You yeah, know? yeah. And dude, we were laughing so hard. And he, every time I see him, he's just like, dude, we gotta go hunting again. It was a terrible hunt. And he's just like, we have to do that again. It was so much fun. It's like. Yeah, we do. Makes it great, though, when you're with people that are on the same page about what it's really about, though. Because then you're just focused on Making what memories, man. Yeah. That's all we can do every day is make yeah. a memory. And we played soccer since sixth grade together. Yeah. And I didn't even know that he and knew that, Cal. And, and make a memory every day, and that memory is probably more than most pile pictures. Oh, yeah. Yep. 100%. 100%. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Had a blast with you. Can we do it next year at Game Fair? Unless you anytime, got fish fries. Anytime. I'm not you have to come yet. back anytime we ask now. That's what yep, we tell people. Yep. Once you come on once, you have right. to. September that 25th. three-year probation's over. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, dude, go go and follow Sean on yes. social media. It's just Sean Stahl, right? Yep. And we've got Hispanic music to close. This is so. our closing music. Fitting. You can't be mad. I had Mexican the other day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were married, Sean. I am. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Well, <laughs> what did you say? I didn't even say. Huh? I, said I thought you were married. <laughs> said you had Mexican. <laughs> well, Sean's like, I have to get out of here now. All right. Tacos. Guys, thanks for listening. Follow us. Leave a review. Yeah. We're going to give a giveaway at 1,000. Thanks for listening. See you I soon. Want a, I want a margarita. Yeah, me too. Hey, one more that. thing, by the way. 